Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Business Creators Radio Show. I'm your host, Adam Homey, and I want to welcome you to another great episode. As the name says, our listeners are business creators, and they fall into one of several different categories. We have your entrepreneurs, small business owners, and local business owners. We have marketing and business coaches. We have folks who help others build their businesses, such as designers, strategists, assistants, and other types of experts in the areas of web design, social media, virtual assistance, and online business management, along with media and publicity. And of course, we have the do-it-yourselfers who run your own businesses and love to have your own hands on the marketing levers. If you are one or more of the above, please take a moment, explore episodes, and discover how our experts can help you win at the game of business and marketing at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Also, be sure to check us out on iTunes. Just do a search for Business Creators Radio Show. Every five-star rating is greatly appreciated and helps us serve more business creators just like you. Also, take a moment to subscribe to get fresh updates every single week delivered straight to your iTunes. Now, today, we're going to be talking about search engine optimization. We've had other guests on the Business Creators Radio Show who've shared with us some priceless insights about search engine optimization, and everything that they share is completely valid, and I do encourage you to go back and review those episodes when you have the opportunity. The thing we want to share with you today is specifically the power of standing out online with human SEO, and today we have as our very special guest expert, Shannon Steffen. Shannon is a human-centric digital marketing strategy company, or the founder of a human-centric digital marketing strategy company, dedicated to helping people and businesses around the world to stand out and get results online. With over 18 years of experience, Shannon works with entrepreneurs and small businesses on the science and art of online long-term success through strategic and creative thinking known as human SEO. Shannon, do we have you on the line? Absolutely. Great to be here. Absolutely. Thank you very much. And, and Shannon, uh, if you could just uh, tell us, what is the name of your company, just so that we, uh, so that our listeners are able to find you online? Exira Media. Exira, uh, E-X-C-I-R-A. It stands for Excited in Irish Slang. Oh, great, 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 great. So E-X-C-I-R-A-M-E-D-I-A.com. Absolutely. Yes. Okay, I'm looking at the website right now. Human SEO, stand out and get results. So we're definitely going to hear your signature presentation today, which is absolutely awesome. I'm looking forward to it. But before we do that, let's take a step back and give those of our listeners who may not have heard of you yet a chance to get to know you a little. Just tell us a little bit about your background and what brought you to where you are today, helping business creators like you and me and all of our listeners to stand out and get results online. Wow. Well, it's over 18 years now that I've been doing this, but it is my passion. Um, I've been in IT for over 18 years, but I started in web development before Google was even around. And back then, I was able to help people get the information online that they were looking for. So if somebody was searching for a white paper on a printer or whatever it may be, I knew exactly what to search on through the older search engines before Google and Google as well to help them find the right information. And over the years, I actually developed a number of online um, e-commerce stores of my own and realized there was this niche that people were missing that small businesses and entrepreneurs couldn't really compete with those Fortune 50 companies that had $8 million marketing budgets. 
And it really frustrated me because I knew how to do this. And I was able to be successful in my own business doing this. But there was all these people that really had this need. They had a passion for their products and services, but they had no way to get found. And slowly but surely over the years, what had happened was I started helping uh, other small businesses that were running their business because they had health concerns and couldn't go to work full time or people that were looking to supplement income for their family and just started helping them out as pro bono and it turned into Accelerate Media. So now I help companies all around the world stand out and get found for the right reasons through human SEO. Absolutely. That is really great. And I'm so interested to hear more about this human SEO. But there's one more question I need to ask before we dive into this. Here in the Business Creators Radio Show, we provide our listeners the tools, techniques, and strategies to help entrepreneurs quickly grow their businesses. And a lot of our listeners tell me they listen into our episodes every week. They hear what our experts have to say. And they can implement pretty much anything that anybody recommends they do except for two things, time and money. Now, this is the question we ask every expert who appears on the Business Creators Radio Show, not only because of the variety of answers we get, but also because of the variety of interpretations of the question. So just tell me, how do time and money apply to this concept of human SEO you're about to share with us? That is a great question. Uh, Time and money stop so many people from following their dreams. And when I work with new clients with human SEO, the first questions I ask are, what's your time, your goals, and your personality? So the time also constitutes the money aspect of it because it's what resources do you have available that you're able to use? Are you a one-person show or do you have a team of 20? And usually for the smaller businesses, they don't have the time or money. They're doing other things or they're even running the business and they don't have time to try to get found online. They think, eh, I don't need a website. I'll wait till tomorrow. Somebody will find me somewhere. Right. But the thing is that time and money aren't really relative anymore because of how much things have changed online. So I help them push that question aside and let's look at what we can do to get found. Right. I think that's very true. And I see a lot of people, at least my perspective on this, when we look at time and money when it comes to search engine optimization, is that people think that it's going to cost a lot of time, it's going to cost a lot of money, and that it shouldn't take any time at all. Um, I <laughs> have conversations with SEO experts who say, anybody who says you can't get ranked on the front page of Google for anything within 24 hours, I'm going to slap them. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not quite that simple, but actually not that much more difficult, I don't think. So the first question I want to ask you, Shannon, is in your in your definition, what does it mean to stand out online? Standing out online, the essence of standing out online is turning clients or people into champions. So the success doesn't necessarily come from 10,000 Twitter followers. I can right. care less it. If none of them converting, who cares? That's nice. Right. It's just the ego. But to stand out online is to make a difference and to become an authority figure, an authority leader that people flood to in order to solve a problem. Right. And that problem can be found through pro bono work or it can be found through a product or service that they offer that can solve that end-all, be-all frustration that human has. Right. Right, precisely. And what I like about that is what you said about 
10,000 Twitter followers, what does that have to do with anything? And I've seen many cases where people with far less than 10,000 Twitter followers manage to make international headlines. Uh, one example Absolutely. that mine, I know this is slightly off topic, but uh, you may remember from about two years ago, a woman goes into a pizza shop in New York City, uh, purchases her pizza, picks it up, and she's of Asian descent, and somebody writes something ethnically not very nice about her on the slip. She posted on Twitter. She only has a couple thousand followers herself, but uh, within 24 hours, it's on every news network. Mm-hmm, absolutely. That's yeah. exactly standing out. Yeah. Uh, that's not – I mean, we hope that we don't ever have to be in that situation where that's how we stand out, but she didn't need 10,000 Twitter followers. She didn't need uh, to be ranked number one on Google for anything at all. She had. Uh, she simply needed to have something compelling to say. Now, in her case, it landed in her lap, but for others – and we've talked about this elsewhere in the Business Creators Radio Show, you can create your own news and you can create your own story. Uh, that's you know, tangential to what we're talking about here today. What I'd like to do next here is I'd like to sort of define our terms so that we understand what we're talking about. What, in your definition, is search engine optimization, and how is your definition of that different from what you define as human SEO? Well, SEO, in, in its essence, gets a really bad rep. Um, right. There are so many SEO experts out there, and I laugh when I hear the word expert. 90% of them have no clue what they're talking about. Um, okay. and then you get the 10% that this is what they do and this is the passion. So SEO in, in itself is search engine optimization, which means helping you get found through the search engine. In the right. old days, what it was was here's your links and here's your content, have fun. Let's put some keywords in there and stuff the heck out of your keywords, and you can rank number one for this keyword. Right. Well, the, that worked until a few years ago, um, and then everything changed. And I always laugh because I always come across somebody that says, well, I ranked number one in Google for this keyword, and then Google found me. And Google yeah. found me out. And oh, now I'm blacklisted. And right. I laugh. And I have to laugh at those people, and I laugh at them in front of their face because I'm like, yes, finally, somebody got it hacked. Um, but human SEO is the understanding of human search patterns. So human SEO, whereas SEO looked at the robots, the old SEO, human SEO looks at the humans and looks at what's the human converting factor to get those people to that website or to that blog or to that press release or to that picture of, you know, that ethnically nasty comment left by the pizza company. Whatever it may be, what is getting those people into that marketing funnel? And right. how do you convert them on the other end? Right. So what we're looking at is what human beings are actually searching for, and this has nothing to do with gaming the system. Now, I've been in online marketing for 11 years now, and I've seen a lot of uh, different ways of hijacking or dominating or taking over Google, YouTube, Facebook, and all these other things. And I've watched them just systematically get slapped down one at a time. And, mm-hmm. however, I don't think that this concept you're introducing to us of human SEO will ever really change because there is no domination course that's going to allow you to manipulate your website to control how the human beings are processing things in their brain, uh, what language you're using when they're trying to find something. I know when I'm trying to get answers on Google, my biggest frustration sometimes is not that I can't find it, but I'm just trying to find the words for how somebody else optimized it. I know what I'm looking for. I know how what it is in my words, but it's not optimized for me. 
Well, let's ask a question back at you then. When you're searching, how often do you use a question in your I, search field? I've been known to use questions more and more, and sometimes that's what I'll do. I'll say, like, like for instance, if I'm trying to do a time zone conversion, uh, like when I was preparing for this episode, for instance, and I needed to figure out what, uh, what time zone you're in, um, I, uh, I found out the city that you're from and where the contact information on your website, and I just typed, what time is it in, uh, I believe, Milwaukee, and yeah. it told me, and then I just know, okay, so that's the central time zone. We're two hours ahead of me. Okay. That's human SEO. That's the right. difference. SEO used to be city, like you would type in Milwaukee time zone. Right. That was the old SEO. Now it's what time is it in Milwaukee? That's the difference between old SEO and human SEO. Human SEO takes into effect all the questions we ask and all the answers that we're looking for because we're frustrated at 3 o'clock in the morning when our baby's crying and we're trying to figure out what's going on. Why is my baby crying? Why won't my baby sleep? Why does my cat knock over papers in my office? Yeah, yeah. Whatever it may be. Exactly. It's funny as you say that. You may have heard some jingling in the background. My cats are supposed to be napping by now, but they decided that now it's playtime. Girls, it's supposed to be playtime 12 hours ago when Daddy's trying to sleep. But, uh, oh, God. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. But asking those questions and... You know, you have to understand who the person is also that's asking the questions. So a lot of times in business, what happens is a a, a, um, a manager, a CEO, comes to a secretary and says, I need this. And the example I use is, I, we need a new HVAC, HVAC system. Try saying that 10 times fast. Right. And she goes, great, boss, no problem. And she gets on the computer and she goes, what is HVAC? That's HVAC, HVAC, heating, uh, ventilation, and cooling. Exactly, but she may not know that as a secretary because that's not that's she's not a facilities manager. Right. But she's the one searching, not the facilities manager. So in human terms, how do we get that HVAC, you know, business to show up number one for her as a right. secretary? Precisely. That's human SEO. I understand completely. Uh, if we want to talk about air conditioners, uh, about a month or so ago, uh, my air conditioner uh, started leaking into the unit downstairs because it got clogged up. And I wasn't uh, uh, going online, even though I understood what HVAC meant and I knew it was an HVAC issue. That wasn't really what I was typing. I was asking, why is my air conditioning leaking? Who can fix mm-hmm. my air conditioner? Exactly. Can, and, exactly. And, and, and because we were in the middle of the Las Vegas summer, and I'm on the upper floor of a two-story building, and it was 109 degrees outside, uh, I was asking, who can fix my air conditioner now? Mm-hmm. Who can fix my air conditioner tonight? These are the types of questions I was asking. Yeah, you didn't search for emergency air, fish, air conditioner repair. That would have been old SEO. No, 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 no. I mean, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm assuming that uh, I was, in fact, assuming that uh, pretty much every air conditioning service either renders or has a contract with some organization that can do 24-hour service because this thing is like literally spewing fluid and it won't stop. They kind of need to get somebody out there. Just like plumbing has, you know, plumbing companies usually have some sort of 24-hour option if for some reason the faucet breaks and just starts sending out water. You can't have your water bill go up to $300 overnight while you're waiting for the plumber. Somebody's going to come out here and deal with it. Mm-hmm. And how do they get found online? That's human SEO again. Yeah, yeah. There's, yeah, so, yeah so, something like something like my faucet won't shut off. 
help, mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. All right. So uh, this leads to my next question, which is, in your estimation, since this is what you do in your profession, how have you seen the search engines change, and what does this mean overall for getting found online? We've spoken about the human SEO, but what else is going on? There's so much going on. Uh, there was just a blog post that came out this morning from one of my search engine um, companies that I follow that resulted in 890 Google, they're estimating 890 Google changes in the last year. Um, right. There could be about 200 Google algorithmic changes in the last year. So now let's take a step back, though. Google, Bing, Yahoo, those are the top three everybody knows. But did you know right. there were 250 different search engines out there? And I on knew top that. of that, see, you, see, you're in the know. And each one of our social media networks has its own search engine algorithm, algorithm built right. into it. So a lot of people don't realize that you have a bunch of search engines, not just one. So what I usually do is I, we talk about Google because Google is the easiest to understand. So Google alone for the search engines changing, it's changed its algorithm to such a great extent that luckily I trademarked the whole human SEO uh, phrase back a few years ago. Google finally caught up to me. Um, it's a joke that I always tell people. Because last year they came out with Hummingbird. Hummingbird now changed the game. And it actually, Google had admitted that it impacted about 90% of all websites that exist. Right. And the reason, the way it did this was by bringing it into human terms. They're making changes every single month that are making it more human. So they're using things like uh, co-influence. You know, who's influenced with who? So if you and I, Adam, are connected on LinkedIn and I'm sharing content about something or I like something a year ago and all of a sudden you happen to be searching on that same thing, there's a great chance that what I shared, because it knows we're connected through LinkedIn, is now going to show you that that blog post from a year ago as your number one. This is how much it's changing. It's changing into this artificial intelligence of sorts. Okay. That it is actually helping the people that are personable, the people that are relevant, unique, the authority leaders online. It's helping them, and it's getting rid of all those guys that used to game the system. Right. That's, that's it in essence. But they're changing from mobile, mobile responsiveness, geolocation, and human. It's just human. Right. And speaking of all those people that uh... – game the system, I, as I said, I've just so enjoyed getting them, watching them get slapped down. Uh, about mm-hmm. a year, year and a half ago, people found out that there was a way that you could, uh, you could scrape Facebook fan pages, or I believe. I, I may be slightly off of my terminology, but I think a lot of our listeners will know what I'm talking about. And uh, the reason I don't know everything about this is because I was just so repelled by it that I didn't even look into it is uh, there was a way to scrape Facebook fan pages to get people's email addresses and then add them to your mailing list so that you could start sending them unsolicited marketing emails. And within the past few months especially, we've seen Facebook go after a lot of these uh, developers who created these scraping softwares. And uh, when we started to see the, the letters go out and we started to see people getting shut down, my reaction was, hey, guys, I told you so a year ago. Mm-hmm. 
I told you so a year ago, and I will say I, I told you so because you know you're, you're gaming somebody else's platform that you don't own that they're letting you use to grow your business for free. This is something we cannot forget about Google, Yahoo, Bing, any social media search engine, and most of the social media platforms are in fact search engines these days. Is you are I mean unless you're paying for paid advertising, which is most people in fact, aren't, or they're spending very little on it, they're still using all these platforms to gain exposure and marketing share for their business using somebody else's platform, and they're not paying for it. So Mm -hmm. what we learned as children when we were taught the basics of human decency and how to act toward others is when you're in somebody else's house, you respect their roles. Absolutely. And what you're going to be sharing with us is going to be all about that. Because with this human SEO, we're respecting how human beings think, how they approach the search engines, and just meeting them where they are. Now, in this day and age, how important is it to have a website that's search engine friendly? And what about having a blog? I know I'm kind of asking two questions in one, but uh, what I'm trying to get to the bottom of with this question is, uh, you know, what needs to happen in terms of a search engine friendly website? And how important is this blogging thing uh, that people are struggling with coming up enough with enough content to do? Well, the search engine friendly website is key. Right. It's crucial. Um, and the way I explain it is this. When you go and you network with somebody, you hand them a business card. And the business card is kind of like a first date. It brings them then to your website, which gives them further information and hopefully a lot of converting factors. But it's a second date because they're still getting to know you and they're not sure if they want to marry you or not. Right. So this is the way it is for offline or for people, the humans. Now we take a look at the search engines. The search engines come to your website through links or through some other third-party resource or through even your sitemap. And they find you. And the way I like to explain it is, Google is like a high school student. They get, they get excited for the first day of school, which this is very timely considering the time of the year. They get very excited for the first day of school. They get everything planned out. They show up to the school. The school happens to be your website, in a sense. Now, remember, they're looking at the back end of the coding. They don't look at the design. They're blind to that. They only see the coding aspect. They show right. up, and they start reading, and they start getting involved, and then they realize this is crap. Or, hey, there's something broken here. I can't find my way to the next class, or I can't, which would be the next link. Things like that. And they go, oh, forget this, I'm dropping out. And a lot of times on a website that's not search engine friendly, and you get this from, and I'm not going to name names, but there's a lot of commercials you see on TV, hey, we'll build your website. Those ones are horrible. And the reason why I say it is because they build so much coding into there, Google cannot find the content. Okay. They, they, there's no content. So you get a website that's not search entry friendly, and one of the ones I'd like to use an example of is those awesome websites that everybody loves that you click a link and it goes to another part in a website. So there's only one page really to your website. Right. It, it's just a scrolling uh, slide show. Well, those are horrible for, for SEO. Absolutely. Right. Just phenomenally. Because... The, the content's all mashed together. You can't highlight any key services or keywords. And the coding is just inflated. It's like an ego on steroids. Search engine friendly is allowing the search engines to be able to index it in a proper manner that is going to help you get found online. 
not necessarily, oh, cool, I like a slideshow. That doesn't matter. So there are foundational items that every SEO knows. When coming into a website, the first thing we look at when we have any clients is we look at the website and say, you know what, okay, I see here you have this problem or this problem or you're not being indexed. Or even, heck, you're having a problem with duplicate websites when you don't even realize it and it takes five seconds to fix. Things like that. So that's taking care of problem one. That's the first half of the equation here. The second half is, okay, what about this content we're talking about, these blogs? Not every person needs a blog. What every person needs is timely, relevant, unique content. It doesn't have to be a blog like 500 words every single five days a week. No. Maybe it's once a month that you write a blog post. Maybe um, you don't write a blog post. Maybe you happen to write sections of the website as a white paper type of thing where people can find it or a learning module. Whatever it may be, a blog is a great way to allow you to be able to share information in a very simple way because there's very strict um, SEO guidelines to it. The search engines know how to do blogs. When you're writing a blog, a blog can be 200 words. It could be a link to something that you read beforehand. It could be a funny um, infographic. It can be whatever you want it to be. But it needs to let the search engines know, hey, by the way, there's new content here. We haven't died. Feel free to come back to us. That's what you're telling the search engines with the blog. And now let's think the humans. We're telling the humans, hey, by the way, I have free stuff for you. Let me share my information with you. And don't worry about paying me right now. Okay. And, and the humans come and they gobble it up. And then they go, oh, this is great. Let me share this with my 2,000 Twitter followers. The search engines then pick that up and go, wait, it's even better. This person over here is sharing it. This person's got 2,000 Twitter followers. That's how blogs, that's why blogs are so good. But I don't want businesses to automatically believe that they need to have a blog that's shipping every single day. No. Okay. There's ways to do it. Right, right. I also want to bring up another thing here, too, because uh, one of my clients was a guest contributor to a related industry blog, and part of the reason he dropped out of writing for it, uh, I mean, he just, you know, he just stopped contributing to it, is because they kept enforcing all these rules on him that, uh, you know, first it had to be 300 words, then it had to be 400 words, then it had to be 500 words, and then they wouldn't let him bold and highlight things uh, because, they said that it was somehow confusing. Now, he's a professional copywriter. He's a hypnotic copywriter. He's a persuasive copywriter. He taught me everything I know about bolding, highlighting, and underlining that has made between me and my clients hundreds of thousands of dollars. And for them to say, well, you can't bold, highlight, and underline because it might confuse a search engine, he said, well, I'm not writing for search engines. I'm running for the people who come to this website to know, like, and trust me. I'm doing this so that mm-hmm. people can see that I have something to say in this industry that will help people. And he dropped and he dropped out of the project. Uh, so what are your thoughts on things where you see these things like, you know, your blog post has to be 400 words, it has to be 500 words, it has to have five <laughs> paragraphs, it has to, has to have no bolding, no highlighting, or you only bold this one word. Just, you know, just tell me in broad strokes, what are your thoughts on all that? First of all, um, nothing over 500 words unless you're writing a white paper. All right. Uh, nobody has the bandwidth to read that. Bolding, highlighting, um, listing, using numbers, brilliant. First of all, the search engines love any embellishments to text. 
Right. Uh, the more you embellish a text, now I'm not telling you to go all crazy on one piece of text because you want to highlight that keyword, but the more you embellish it, it's more like a highlighter. So you're really right. highlighting that area. But you're also helping the humans because you're telling them, to, hey, you can skim and pick out the content in this blog post that's relevant to you and move on because I care about your time. So you don't want to necessarily go crazy, like I said. The reason why that company or that areas or blog is probably doing this because they want to be concise. People may have already gained the system. But as a copywriter, yes, you do want to be able to do those embellishments because those are going to add for SEO and those are going to add for humans. The second thing that I have to add to it, though, is all of this blog posting, Matt Cuts from Google had stated that it really doesn't make a big difference. Now, one-way links, of course, always make a difference. But it doesn't make that big of a difference. My my rule of thumb to people, to my clients, is if you don't own the content, the content can be there, be gone tomorrow. Own your content. Right. If you want, have write blog posts for other people, but link it back to that longer blog post on your post and your website. Own it because tomorrow something may happen. And right. it may be gone. So you have a Facebook page. Great, but tomorrow, who knows? Bring people back to one central location and own it. Exactly, exactly. And I and I did a little technique with this. Um, one of my clients uh, was recently hosting a seminar, and one of his guest speakers had won a really prestigious award. So he wanted to leverage that in order to uh, get more registrations for a seminar. A strategy which actually did turn out to be successful, despite the, the registration numbers that we, you know, the bump that he got after doing this. And uh, the original draft of the post was to put uh, that, you know, his, his original writer had uh, created, like, external links to the article where this person, you know, you know, they said this person had won this award. And I said, well, you know, that's all well and good, but what we really need to do is we need to add an intermediary step. What we need to do is write a blog post about the award and then link to that blog post. Mm-hmm. Because yes. that, that, that media outlet could disappear tomorrow or something along those lines. And plus, since we're trying to get people in our seminar doors, why would we give our visitors to another website? Why can't we celebrate our guest presenter in a separate post? Why can't we do that? Bingo. And, that, and, that, and, that's, and that's what we did. So, it, so it, it required creating two blog posts just to get one blog post out, but it preserved the visitor cycle and kept them contained within the website. And it also helped from a search engine perspective because people who are looking for that, that guest presenter and are looking for awards that person is one, I have a greater chance of finding my client's website now. Absolutely. That's, that's what exactly humans are it. looking You're funneling for. Mm-hmm. Right. Right, right. So of all the things we can be doing online, and for every uh, expert authority guru who tells you that there's one thing you need to do, and if you don't do this, you might as well just pack up your toys, go home, and get a job, there's another one that's going to tell you to do something else. So there's like a million one things we must be doing or we must not be serious about our businesses. So in your estimation, from where you're coming from, what should people be focusing on uh, as far as their attention online for highest engagement? Personality. Okay. Believe it or not, it's that simple. When people when when people are looking for the know, like, and trust, as you mentioned before, they get to know somebody, as I mentioned, you know, through dates in a sense, and they follow you on Facebook, then they follow you here. 
what happens is the personality is the, is the kicker. When people are able to allow their personalities to shine through and not hide behind a logo anymore, right? you start learning more. And you'll see this more with companies. They'll start highlighting their team members. Okay. Uh, they'll start highlighting their golf outings or their sponsorships. This is a personality aspect to these companies. Um, an example that I like to use is I was working with a company, it was a startup, um, and the CEO um, who had started it, we, the company was so new we were actually meeting in coffee shops. And he now has built a $6 million business, okay? Right. One of the largest companies here in, in the Milwaukee area. And I can tell you that, honestly, people connected with him because of coffee, fly fishing, and the fact that he donates a week a, week a year to a, a special needs camp for kids. Okay. That's part of his personality. Many CEOs, you never get that on them. But that has allowed him to open his business and get found online. So when they focus their attention online, they're focusing it on connecting with other real people. Not necessarily let's go after this target market and only talk to them. It's allowing, hey, by the way, we have this golf outing. Or, hey, by the way, let's do, um, one of my clients does this thing called Micro Mondays on Facebook, um, where they do a very close-up picture of something with a magnifying glass, and you're supposed to pick or figure out what it is. Um, right. So they engage their people on that, and it happens to be some kind of print thing, because they do printing. So if you win, you get one of their swags. You know, things like that, they're taking the online offline to build a relationship no matter what it is. So I'd like to say, hey, online, just do Facebook or just do your website. But in essence, whatever you decide to do, because each business is different, B2B and B2C run different, you need to have a personality behind, a personality and passion behind what you do. Or right. nobody's going to care about your products or services. I think there's a lot of truth to that, and I've been told in the past to water down my personality and try not to ruffle feathers and things like that, and I've had coaches tell me, well, uh, you've got to be really cautious because if you want to get the big corporate clients, they aren't going to be interested in hearing you talk about your your cats or your cigar thing or anything like that. They just want to see results. And results sounds like, well, we synergize our strategies to maximize the leverage return on investment on blah, 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 blah. And three sentences later, we still haven't said a damn thing. Correct. Because it's yeah. not necessarily your mission. It's your business model, which is great when they're ready to marry you. But up until that point, they're still getting to know whether or not they want to do anything with you. A client of mine that just signed um, for a huge project had stalked me for about six months first on all my social media networks. I get those. When, I get those. Yeah, and then I walked into the meeting with him, and he you know, shook my hand, and he goes, I loved your pictures from Ireland. I'm going there next week. Okay. That totally opened up a conversation for us where I was able to find out about his golfing trip to Ireland coming up and give him some, you know, some recommendations on where to go. Wow. That, in a sense, in itself, actually opened the door for a project. So I posted pictures of Ireland. Who knew? I, I had no clue he'd ever find those pictures. But who knew that would bring the business in? Other times it's my dogs. 
Right. When people see pictures of my dogs on Instagram, and they're like, oh, how cute. I have a lab, too. Oh, by the way, you do this. You do SEO. I have a business I'm starting. And it opens up into this whole area. Now, this all goes with getting found online because people are searching for those things that they're passionate about. So they're not passionate. They're not searching on uh, dog owners who do SEO. Right. But it's the, do- it's the SEO when they get to the SEO and they happen to stalk me a little bit and they realize I'm a dog owner that secures the deal. That's the personality. Right. I would argue, tell me if I'm right or wrong about this, but when we focus on this type of human search engine optimization, or rather this becomes a component of human search engine optimization, because people see what you're doing online, they see a bit of your personality, they come to start to feel that know, like, and trust, and they're more likely to share you with others. And that means you're more likely to get more visitors to your web pages meaning that your site will become more relevant. Have I, in some way, summarized something that's truthful about human SEO? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it, it's, that's spot on. It's right. That, it's, to me, it's that simple. It's a logical art that people just have to know to be themselves. There are people that are loudmouth New Jersey types <laughs> that are making multi-million dollars online. Right. And... Their personality never stops them because what happens in business, and this is the same thing for the search engines. The search engines, we try to put everything into the content that we can possibly think that someone may search for. Instead of honing in our message and our personality for our most relevant, unique target market that's going to make us the most money. Because we're so worried we're going to miss an opportunity that may only give us $200. Uh-huh, Instead, yeah. we're alienating the $2 million people. Yeah, you know, if I had a dollar for every must-have opportunity that crosses my desk every single week, the thing I must do, the uh, the partnership I must join, the JV I must dive into, uh, I, I, I mean, I am so jaded to that at this point. Uh, all I can think is, you know, uh, four of these have come by in the past week, uh, and I'll wait for the next one. I mean, you really have to jump out of me and, and get me really excited, and you have to tell me something unique to do that. And uh, telling me about your your leveraged positioning to maximize your uh, co-parallel return on marketing investments is not going to do it for me. What makes you different is what does it. Right. In business is what makes you different. And making sure that that gets down to the search engines and the social media networks is what your online success is going to be found through. Right. Speaking of speaking of things that are different, I've been in online marketing for 11 years. And when I first started out, telephones, mobile telephones, were for calling people and texting people. Now <laughs> they're little computers. In fact, my Samsung Galaxy Note 2 is about a thousand times more powerful than my very first computer, which I got only 20 years ago. And I Mm -hmm. find that I do a lot of searching on that thing. When I first moved to Las Vegas, I didn't get a Yellow Pages. And before I had the internet here, uh, you know, I didn't have a computer for the first two days I was here. So how do you think I found all the local necessities I needed to get started living here in Las Vegas? I pulled out my phone. I looked for the things I needed. Mm -hmm. So that brings up my question. With everybody, it seems, having a mobile smartphone, a mobile device, tell us a little bit about this mobile search. And how important is it? 
Mobile search is crucial. Oh, I can't even. There's there's there not enough words to describe how crucial it is. Right. Um, you even showed your yellow pages. Who cares? Um, right. You know how many people get yellow page ads? Stop them. You know it it doesn't matter anymore. The way mobile search works, the it runs on the relatively the same algorithm as the normal search from your computer. Right. However, a lot of people don't realize that even talking to your mobile device is a totally different, unique way of searching. So right. you ask a question like, you know, um, find me a local uh, plumber. Okay, great. Well, now take into account what it takes to find that local plumber. So that plumber was found because, first of all, you used, say, an iPhone in my case. So I used my iPhone to find a plumber. I'm talking to Siri. Siri is actually Bing. Siri will only give you results in Bing. Android right. will give you results in Google and so on. So I'm, I'm totally dismayed from Google, so that plumber has nothing to do with Google. It has to be on Bing. Right. So now I'm physically sitting in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I didn't say Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So it has to know based upon the towers I'm hitting or the Wi-Fi I'm using, where am I physically located? So now we're talking geolocation SEO. Wow. So it needs to make sure that not only are they on Bing, but now they are being, um, they actually have done what they need to do in SEO to be found in Milwaukee area. Whether it be their website says Milwaukee area, some of the locations, they've been on Yelp, whatever it may be. So now we have geolocation. So now, here's the kicker. Now that Siri gives me the plumber, and I click on the plumber. Now, if the person hasn't done their SEO correctly and is not using SEO schemas correctly, there may not be a phone number for me to click on right away. So I can't call them directly to my mobile phone. That means I have to click to go to their website. Well, now right. for their website, they decided to put the phone number as a graphic on the top because it looked cool. I can't click on a phone number in a, in a graphic. Right. Okay, Siri, what do you have next? That plumber just lost my business. Exactly. And I, and I teach people this. Make sure that your phone number is clickable. Yes, absolutely. And there's schemas for that. Even if you do not, even if you decide you want a phone number that's a graphic, which of course we always go against, um, you can put a schema code in the SEO that will say um, that what the phone number is, and that will be able to tell the search engines, okay, this is actually the phone number. So they don't need to come to the website; they can just stop right there at the search results screen. Right, right. Let me let me pause you right there. What is this code that sure. we're putting? Is is this a meta? Is this a meta tag? What is this? It's, that, uh... it's kind of like a meta tag. Um, they're schemas. They're called schemas. Could you spell and, that, please, for our listeners? Sure. So they can hear. S C H E M A. Oh, schema. Okay, yeah, schema codes. Okay, go on. Schema codes, correct. So schema codes are little codes that will say things like, um, "Here's the phone number." Or um, if it's a recipe, that it will display in the search engines correctly for a recipe, if, you, if that's what you're displaying in your blog. Or if, an, if it's an event, things like that. So that it tells the search engines, hey, this is an event, or this is a phone number, or this is a fill-in-the-blank. It has a number of schemas that you can fill in. Right. Um, this is especially for products. When you're using like a shopping cart, this is great for e-commerce people. So you have all of this for mobile search. So it knows physically where you're located. Now, I'm sitting in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It's going to give me those that are closest to my physical location based upon the cell towers around me. If right. you're not using SEO correctly, you're not going to show up at all. 
if you're only aiming for Google, you're not going to show up for people with iPhones. And if that's your target market is people who use iPhones, you've just lost out on that market. And that's where your competitors are going. So with SEO, you need to look at not only what's your demographic for your target market, but what are they using for technology? Are they using Windows computers? Are they using Macs? What are they using? How does this display differently? How does the website display? Is it mobile responsive? Oh, please. It must be mobile responsive people. If your website is not mobile responsive, you need to revamp your website. You are losing out on so much business. If your website cannot be rendered properly on a mobile device, this is not this is different than a mobile app, though. Right. I I, I, I understand the difference. Um, yeah, because uh, you know most website like WordPress themes these days, almost all the new WordPress themes are fully mobile responsive, and uh, and there are plugins you can make a mobile responsive website very quickly if you need to. And I do see, and this is another question I have for you, is there are a lot of websites out there that are not, quote, unquote, technically mobile responsive, but when you pull them up on a mobile browser, you can still read them properly and you can still use them. Yes, that is correct. However, when you do that, if you notice how much do you have to zoom in to see information? That is true. You have to do the thing with the fingers, yeah. Are, are you willing to do that in order to go to some place that you've never been before and give them your business? No. Personal, I don't personally, have support. Personally, I am, but I can definitely see the points where if it's a website that does it versus a website that doesn't do it, the website that does it is the one that's going to get the business. Correct. Now, the thing that I always go back to in my web development days, because I read code, I write code, um, I follow the three-click rule. So, you know, you always have somebody click not more than three times to get where they should be getting. But you also don't make them think. You want to funnel them correctly. If you want a phone number and you want them to call in and that's your main point of contact, make sure you're doing what you need to do. You, you know, so if your website happens to render on a mobile device, even though it's not mobile responsive, are you really doing everything you can do to make that human life easier? Right. No. So go out and spend a little bit of extra money just even to put a mobile responsive code in there. You don't need to revamp the entire website. If it's WordPress, like you said, you're great. WordPress renders wonderfully. A lot of CMSs do. Um, but you have to know what platform. So mobile, it takes into account everything under the sun for mobile responsiveness. Now, 80% of all Internet usage is mobile devices. And most of those are in the home, which means people are not going to their desk at home and doing their searches. They are searching on their phone while their baby's crying at 3 a.m. Right. Right, that, that's, that's very true, and what we see sometimes is uh, people will be watching television, and they will see a commercial come on, and it'll say something about visit our website. They're not going to say, hey, put it on pause for a minute while I run in the other room and look it up on the computer. Mm -hmm. They're going to pull Absolutely. up their smartphone, and they're going to type it in then and there. Correct, or they're going to tell Siri to bring them there. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So what you revealed to us, and I just wanted to make sure that we that we capture this, is that you pointed out the importance of Bing in this whole situation because Siri works with Bing, and it also demonstrates to us some things about 
what's different about getting optimized for a mobile search. The same get me to number one on Google that's going to work on a desktop and a laptop is not going to necessarily work for the mobile because we're talking about geolocation. We're talking about people bouncing from different towers. I mean, anybody who's used a smartphone knows it keeps asking you whether or not it has permission to use your location. That's not just for kicks and laughs. It's not just for the NSA. It's also so they can serve you some relevant content. Absolutely, absolutely. But as long as you're following the practice of human SEO or good SEO practices for those 10% of people that actually do the SEO correctly, those are the ones that will actually help you get found on all of the above. Right. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, are there any secrets these days to search engine optimization? We hear about pandas and penguins and alligators and (laughs) And, in fact, Google even has a calico cat out there. I can't remember what the calico cat's for, but they do have a calico cat. I, I swear, the, you know, the state cat of Maryland, calico cats, the, the money cat, uh, grumpy cat's mother who's a, a calico cat. I mean, uh, I'm, 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 seriously, and, and all the calico cats out there named Callie, three of whom I've met personally and three others uh, were cats that owned uh, other humans who were friends of mine. For all the calico cats out there, I just want to say Google made an application named after you. So, Janet, now that I've revealed the Calico Cat thing, uh, what are some secrets to SEO that our listeners should be considering as uh, their heads are spinning in the last 10 minutes here for our interview that they may want to go and implement right away? The first one is so easy for them to do, um, and most SEOs won't tell you this, which is sad. Um, All you need to do is find out where your server is. So where your website is located. Now, when you use a um, discount web host that has a shared server, your server could be anywhere. Right. So the company may be in California, but they maybe decide to put you on a server in Brazil. Right. You need to make sure that your server is physically located in the countries in which you are doing business. So if you're in the U.S., your server should not be in Brazil. Because what happens is Google actually pings the server, you know, hits the server, um, from the IT side, and says, okay, where are you located? And says, hey, I'm in Brazil, nice to meet you. Well, that's great. Okay, we're going to index you for Brazil. So you may be ranking number one in Brazil, but honey, you ain't ranking in the U.S. So, uh, here, here, okay, so here's a question for you real quick. Uh, what can yeah. I do online right now? Because I'm sitting in front of my computer. Is there something I can do in a few seconds to find out where my server is? No, there isn't actually. Well, okay. a couple, there are a couple of things, but it's a little too technical. But the best thing and the easiest thing to do is to call up your web host. And ask them where the servers are. And if they don't ask tell where you, then maybe you should pay the extra dollar or two for hosting that will tell you. Exactly. There are some web hosts that when you sign up for your website account, um, they will actually give you the option of a city within the United States in this case as to where you like your server to be because the the further away your server is from where you're physically, where your business is physically located, or where your target market is physically located, um, the longer it takes to ping that server or hit that server, the lower its rankings may have. have. So if right. you, for my case, I'm in Milwaukee, I may want to pay the extra two dollars to have it in Chicago instead of California. Yes, yes, yes. It, it, it makes thing. a difference. This is another way that that cheap hosting will cost you. Uh, Every time I see somebody go into a discussion group online and say, ha, I just got outstanding hosting for $4 a month. I'll teach those 
so-called mm-hmm. webmaster experts a thing or two with their $75 a month hosting. And then uh, about three months or three weeks or sometimes three days later, when they find out exactly how much technical support that uh, $3.95 a month buys you and the quality thereof, and then they're asking uh, – you know where's my where's my number one page rank and where's my where's my position on Google? This is something. This I mean right here. This is the reason that people need to tune into this episode, which is just simply ask that question of your hosting company. Where's my server? Where's my server? If it's in Canada, that's not helpful either. So just call them up and say, hey, by the way, where's my server? And they should be able to physically tell you because it has an IP address. Right. They can tell you exactly where that server is located. And you may need to change it. So if it is in Brazil, hey, guys, I need to move this over to a server in, in, in Chicago. How much yeah. extra is it going to cost? And pay the extra money. Otherwise, you're not doing business unless you want Brazil. Then that, by all means, have fun. Yeah, as I, as I look at it, Shannon, if, you're, if, you, if $50 a month for quality web hosting is too much for you, then you're probably not serious about online marketing. If if you're mm-hmm. actually debating the difference between $3.95 a month and $13 a month for some decent, solid business hosting with a leading United States provider with servers right here in the United States, you know, for our American listeners uh, here in the United States, then uh, you kind of got the wrong mindset about business. You'll spend $5,000 on quote-unquote SEO but you won't spend the extra $10 a month to have a server that's going to help you get the rankings and keep the rankings. That something, I don't know, call me old-fashioned or call me off the loop, but something about that seems a little unbalanced. Well, that's the kicker, though, isn't it, Adam? Yeah. I can be the best SEO in the world, but if your server is in Timbuktu, I can't help you with anything. So $5,000 is out the door. It doesn't matter what I do. Unless- There's nothing I can do at that point. Right, unless, of course, you're trying to optimize for Timbuktu, but uh, exactly. I've searched Timbuktu. They don't, have a very, they don't have a very vibrant economy there right now. It's kind of, a, no. kind of like an archaeological uh, curiosity more than it is a place where you can do business. So I probably wouldn't want to optimize for Timbuktu. It is a real exactly. city, by the way, for those of you who don't know. <laughs> well, and, and the other thing that you want to do, one of the other secrets, is your privacy. So right. it goes back to you and where you're, where's your server located, but also your domain. So when people sign up for domains, especially the startups, they think, oh, well, I'm going to have privacy because I don't want anybody to know where I live. Go down and get a P.O. box, people, because you need to have that filled out. When you use a privacy option, which is costing you money anyway, again, we're going back to the time and money, it's right. wasted money because what happens is Google sees that the privacy is turned on for that web host and can't get your information to know where you're physically located, it's coming up with just your web host information, it thinks you're a fly-by-night. It thinks Uh, you're not a real uh. business. You're here today, gone tomorrow. You don't care. So go down, pay $50 a year for a P.O. box if you need to, and make sure your your who is is filled out for your domain. I pay $400 a year to have a professional-looking mailing address, which is a box at a UPS store. Um, and that's what I use for my who is and all that other stuff and for the mailing address for the business and the business's uh, DBA location. And that makes a lot of difference. And what I, what I didn't realize was how that was affecting Google searches and other types of searches. They actually go and look at your who is information to find out where it is. And if you're 
using privacy, then you're probably harming yourself more than mm-hmm. you're hurting yourself. That's actually very interesting. I understand the whole privacy thing, but I also understand it's only a few hundred dollars a year to completely solve that issue. I mean, you and if, and if you don't want pe- and if you don't want people to know exactly what town you're in, get a mailbox in the next town, or get a mailbox, exactly. or get a mailbox 25 miles away and have it forwarded to your house. Whatever. I mean, you can still protect your privacy without having to pay that money, which is an Achillean rankings. Now, do you have? Do you, I mean, we have about five minutes left here. Do you have one more for us, real quick? The other one is um, people talk about keywords. Okay. So real quick, I'll drop them on you. There's three main places that the search engines look for keywords. They look at your URL, so the website address. I'm right. not talking about the domain. I'm talking about what trails afterwards. Don't worry right. about getting a fully keyword domain. Um, the second place is they look at your meta title tag. That is that area at the top, usually in your tabs of your Internet browser, and that's right. also what shows up in the search engine results page. And then the third place is what's called your H1, which is your header. That's usually a blog post title. That's the easiest way to see them, but they're on your front page too. Those places you want to optimize with your keywords, but not just your keywords. You want to make sure that they're, that they're called to action. Right. So when somebody sees them in the search engine results, you're not just saying widget, 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 widget. Mm-hmm. You're saying the most awesome widgets in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Right. Right. Now so, you just take care of geolocation and you take care of widgets. Exactly. Those are the three areas. Exactly. And that's and brilliant. When we talk about the meta description, I mean, I mean, if you know how to write an ad for a Facebook campaign or a Google AdWords campaign, apply that same thinking to your meta title and your meta description. You want to get your mm-hmm. keyword in there. You want to get your geolocation in there. And you want to read it like, have it read like a 160-character mini ad because that will show up in the SERPs. When you embed it in Facebook, it'll look that way too, and it will read like a mini ad telling people to click on this versus all the other people that uh, that have uh, the wrong information. It just you know it comes back as completely irrelevant. And to interject there, it's actually 150 characters with spaces included for the meta description tag. No oh, more than that, or else it gets truncated. Oh, we're at 150 now. Okay, thanks for that clarification. I thought it was a no 160. It's one of these things that keeps changing. So if you're listening to this yeah. a year from now, it could be a few <laughs> characters in the other direction. But know that we're somewhere in a neighborhood between 140 and 160. Just check Google for the latest. All right. So, uh, so, uh, so Shannon, uh, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. This has been an incredible interview and uh, we have about two minutes left here so I want to turn this over to you for just 60 seconds and for any of our listeners who are um, on the edge of their seat looking to learn more just tell us very quickly how you help business creators win at the game of business and marketing and how they can get a hold of you absolutely first of all it's been my pleasure Um, I love helping other people my mission is to get other people to be successful to take control so I am a teacher and a trainer first and foremost people can find me at exciromedia.com or right. I made it a little bit easier. People can actually find me at thehumanseo.com, which to redirect to Xyra. That way in case anybody doesn't know how to spell it. Um, <laughs> so thehumanseo.com. Now, a couple great things that are coming up. I'm writing a book for this fall called Human SEO. It's written for all of the wonderful people listening that are not into dummy books and they're not into the geek books. They want something in human language with, with an action list. All for them. The second thing is uh, there's an SEO learning portal coming up this fall at AccelerMedia.com also, um, all teaching people how to take control. So, again, action lists with step-by-step instructions 
which would be phenomenal because I really want to help those people out that I can't help out every single day because I only have a limited amount of my time. So that's where people can find me, and any way I can help people, I'm available. Absolutely, and that is awesome stuff. And remember, everybody who's listening, every one of our guest experts has a profile, businesscreatorsradioshow.com, that has their social and website contact information. So, Shannon, Stefan, again, uh, appreciate your time and your brilliance that you've shared with us today. Thank you. And for everybody listening, this is Adam Homey, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please check out our previous and our upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com, where we help you win at the game of business and marketing. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.